This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back, everybody, to your latest episode of Every Step Along the Way. Uh, we're nearing the end of the season now, and I think the lads um, gave a performance that reflected that maybe on Monday, <laughs> although the conditions weren't great. Uh, we'll get into that on this podcast. We'll round up all the news that's happened this week, uh, and then look ahead to the uh, to visit of the Baggies on Saturday. So, Michael Stockley, yes, boing boing indeed, Mike. Uh, how are you, mate? Uh, yeah, busy, busy week, mate, as always. But um, yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad at all. Um, yeah, did you... Uh, what were we doing with your, your Easter weekend? Um, I must admit, I'd love to say eating loads of chocolate, but I think when we get to our age, Dan, <laughs> it's kind of... We just don't seem to get it. You know, your mum doesn't buy you one anymore, and your dad doesn't get you one. Although, actually saying that, my dad did get me one. He got me a... Um, how was it now? It was a Galaxy one. It had three Galaxy chocolate bars in and an egg. Um, so at least my dad's kept up with tradition. But yeah, Josh. Um, oh, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, we've got you know the East Egg Hunt boxes that you can get for the kids. Yeah, got one of them. The kids, There's yeah. twenty. Yeah, for the kids. <laughs> uh, there was twenty-four <laughs> eggs in it, and uh, we stupidly left it on the floor when we went out. Safe to say, the dog left us seven. And somehow is still alive. Like she was sick and she was not well, but um, I thought she was a goner mate because that is a lot of eggs to, to down in one go. So, Dogs and chocolate. Yeah. Doesn't make <laughs> no, it doesn't. Other than that, you know, the, the more you ask me, it's like, oh yeah, that happened and that happened. But yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was eventful, but not in a, not in a good way, I don't think. Oh dear. Well, yeah, I think like you say, we get to our age. If you want chocolate, you just get on the shop and buy it. You'd have to wait for someone to buy you these trays. <laughs> no, just like you don't um, have to wait for Santa to come at Christmas to you. If you want something, you get it. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, hopefully you should do that. <laughs> um, right. What did happen over Easter is Stoke had a little trip down to St Andrews, didn't they? A ground that we sort of mentioned on the last podcast we've not had a great history with. Uh, recently, I think it was it's. This was the fifteenth meeting, was it? Fifteenth game we've been there without winning. Um, we had a little poll, don't we, to decide whether that was a was it fourteen league games or was it fifteen games altogether? Did that league cup game count where we won on penalties? Um, 
had a little Twitter poll. For 58% said that we won that game. 42% said a draw. So not a big difference. Um, but yeah, apparently we did win that game, Mark. Um, apparently so, but don't forget, it doesn't take much of a big difference. Remember Brexit? That that was a, a small mi- <laughs> minority, wasn't it? So um, it's enough. It but I think the, the fact you're saying it's a, a nil-nil... Um, that's probably the end of the pre uh, the review, I think. Yeah, well, I think it was a board. I think it was the pitch was described as a potato field, um, so I think that didn't tell matters, did it? I think the, the pitch was bad. I think Neil sort of commented after, didn't he, saying that you know, especially in the final thirds, when we tried to get the ball down and play, um, and, you know, obviously used the attacking ability of of your you know, your Campbells, your small bones, um, Gales, etc. That it just wasn't sort of working. It was bobbling around, and there was a, there was a pass. Uh, I think it was in the first half where Campbell had sort of beaten beat his man, got to the byline, and he pulled it back to Josh Loren. And it was sort of like the ball itself looked like the perfect ball laying into his path. So he just run onto it and any stride and, and get a shot away. And it was like bobbled forward, bobbled backward, and, and I think Loren just had to in the end just sort of swing the foot at it and. And just got a like you know a loose connection, but like I say, it doesn't. It's not really good enough for the championship, is it? It's, you know, that kind of thing going on with you know pitches. I know we're getting to you know April time and that, but should you know, do you not think pitches should be in better condition in this division? Yeah, there's no excuse in 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 this league for a, a poor pitch or pitches coming into it. There's enough money in the game. There's enough money that goes through players' wages that. You know the pitch, the the thing you play on to get results should be as near perfect as you can get it. So there's no excuse for that. And and you're right that the, the thing with a pitch like that is, and that's not that that's not what won or lost anyone the game. It makes it harder. But at the same time, players are going to be going out there thinking I, I, they're, they're uncomfortable. They, you know, especially Nick Powell, he must be having a blinking heart attack. He's like, oh my god, you know, I'm going to twist my ankle or break a nail or something. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to be all over it. So him, Tyrese is probably going to be, I think even subconsciously it might make them a little bit nervous. So I, I, I get the point. It didn't, it didn't decide the result at the weekend. It was just two teams who just didn't turn up. And we, we joked in the week that um, we could have basically come on here and said it was nil nil. And then let's move straight into the news because it was a non-event. I mean, I think the Stoke channel, the YouTube channel, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but they did incredibly well to find some highlights for their YouTube channel. I think Tyrese's shot uh, was probably the closest we, we came um, in the game, and and even that really didn't have a lot of pace on it. So it's one that you would expect um, the keeper to, to save, really. I certainly wouldn't expect Bonham not to save that. Um, I thought, actually thinking of Bonham, he flapped at that... Uh, well, was it header? It wasn't, wasn't much of anything. I think the cross has come in from a corner, if I remember rightly, and he's kind of fumbled his punch. And luckily, it's hit Powell on the back or on, on the side and prevented us from losing it 1-0, which would have been a travesty, to be honest. So it was, for me, Dan, it was just a non-event. I think the less said about this came the better, if I'm honest. Nick Powell showing another reason why he needs a new contract is... Body on the line in defence there, <laughs> deflecting that shot wide, get himself in the way, mm-hmm. getting bottom, you know, rescue him, you know, 
get his points. Well, didn't get his points in the end. Did he give us the lead against Bristol City? Rescuing a point four is here at Birmingham. Get, get sign him up. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, on that note, uh, Fox, he's another one. Do we still maybe sign him up? Obviously, he came in part of a two-man centre-back partnership with Ben Wilmot. Uh, preferred ahead of Connor Taylor for this game, obviously replacing Phil Jagielka. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what it is with Connor Taylor, if I'm honest. I don't know if it's he's not fit or he's not gaining himself fit enough or the manager doesn't trust him enough. You'd think at this time of the year that Connor Taylor would be probably the man you would want to go for to, to just give him a test drive and you know see, see, what, see what he thinks. Um, but you know what? You mentioned Morgan Fox, reliable Morgan Fox. He's he's never going to be a great defender in this league, but he's a again the old the old term, the old steady Eddie. That that that's what he is. Um, I didn't think he really really did anything wrong. I also don't think Birmingham really causes many problems uh, for him to have to worry about it. But yeah, he, he's come in and does what he always does. He just does a job. Um, ben Wilmot Dan, I thought again was good. Uh, the guy is just Mr. Consistency, isn't he? Um, made a couple of key challenges at times. So I just, yeah, I just, I just think we've, I think we've got a, a star in Wilmot in the making. I think he's going to be huge next year. Um, hopefully not in weight, but actually in you know quality. I think, I think he's very much, uh, he's very much there. He's always, like he's Paul always games. Yeah, not Paul Williams now, uh, but he's he's always there with his qualities. There, he's, he's got, he's got to put foot in or what whichever it is. So I think we're going to see him, somebody else. It could be Axel. Who knows? Depends if we can get that guy fit. Um, Morgan Fox, I think we signed him up for another year. He's not going to have loads of suitors uh, in terms of other clubs going after him. But um, at, the same, excuse me, at the same time, he's not going to be expensive. So he's a cheap backup. And we've already said on this pod, we've got to go out and get double-figure players. So we need as fewer um fewer people to replace the better to be honest yeah I think you say the people like Fox and possibly even Powell just plays into their hands that there is like I say a big enough overhaul needed anyway um, so yeah if, if uh, we can give like I say just give them an extra year two years that like I say it's one less new face into one less new body to settle in um, come August that you know might just stop us hitting the ground running as you see so often clubs do, don't you, when they have a, a big, um, like I say, overhaul so over the summer. Um, as for Birmingham, you mentioned there about our defence. Their centre-backs were quite, you know, strong. And they had, they had quite... They, they do quite a lot of long passes, I noticed. Um, sort of had a look after as well. I think there's only one club in the in the division that has a higher percentage of, of balls that are long and that obviously doesn't play into what have been our strength recently either, is it, of, of um, pouncing on balls you know, in and around uh, teams' penalty areas. We, you know, when teams are sort of, you know, not messing around with it at the back, sort of lumping it along, and obviously they've got Djukovic uh, up front, who's sort of winning a lot of flick-ons, I noticed, you know, winning headers, um, and just... You know, we had to pick up a lot of the second balls, and I think our defence should be praised for that because there weren't many second balls that Birmingham got to, um, you know, flicks off him, which is is the key really because it only takes one or you know one one of them you uh, don't get to and they let a striker in and they can be in on goal at that point, can't they? 
Um, so the defence had me on the toes. Uh, they had to know when to, you know, when to compete with him and probably when to drop off and just be happy to pick up a second one. And yeah, they did well because I think one goal could would well, obviously it would have decided the game. But I think that was probably the case, probably from early doors. Wanted that one goal could well have, you know, uh, sorted that match out. Um, like I said, they didn't mess around with it at the back. Big strong team, big strong up front, and then lumpy long, and and it was a different different task what we've been up to. And it was nice that although the conditions were bad, you know, the the rain was. Uh, tearing down once at one point the wind was swirling the pitch like we mentioned wasn't great didn't lead to a fantastic game to watch especially this end of the season with two clubs who probably have got not, not a lot to play for um, Birmingham may be dependent on a possible points deduction but as it stands they've not got a lot to play for and I think we you know it, it could have been a real non-event and we could have sort of been properly on the beach couldn't we you know and gone out there, thought, oh, don't really don't fancy this today. You know, it's pouring, like I say, the weather conditions terrible, the pitch is awful. Oh, no. But they, they, they sort of dug in a bit. I mean, like I say, it wasn't great to watch, but I do think they, they stuck at it, didn't they, and dug in and made sure they didn't lose the game, which uh, they should be commended for. Yeah, like I said, we, we, we controlled the game well. They controlled us well on the day. Um, and they're doing, oh, I think this is back-to-back games now, where I think what you mentioned on the last pod about you know, teams not trying to play out from the back. I think it'll be interesting to see QPR. I mean, I remember QPR as a as a team who would play the ball in the deck. Obviously, West Brom, of course, are a team that always loved playing the ball in the deck. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that's the way that they go, because that's two two games now back to back where a team hasn't tried to play pretty football. They've just tried to go direct. I'll tell you now, QPR. I've got Gareth Ainsworth as their manager. They will play every ball long and they will just lump it up to what Chris Martin playing up front for them. It'll just, that's all to do. They may as well not have Chris Willock and um, Ismaili Chair playing for them anymore because I doubt they're going to see much of the ball. They will watch it sail over the reds because that's all we did at Wickham for you for what about 10 years? Who's at Wickham? <laughs> and that's all they did once it lump long ball after long ball after long ball and just feed off it and fair enough for a team like Wickham he got them he got them a couple of promotions didn't he and into the championship a couple of times you know something they never would have thought they'd have done um, I bet he regrets leaving there well the thing is I mean, I'm not sure that's I'm not sure that's the best way QPR can you know, the best use of the talent that QPR have got shall we no. say like I say they've got with Willock in chair they've probably got two of the best attacking players in the division and he's just not using them at all, um, but that that's for another day. I think that game's a couple of weeks away yet. And um, one thing I'll just mention on Birmingham and Stoke to St Andrews. So in the last twenty-seven years, we have played nine league games at Birmingham and scored once. Okay, ouch. Um, yeah. That was that was in. August 2019. Can you remember who scored the goal? Oh. Um, gave us the lead in the game uh, before Djokovic equalised and then a young 16-year-old named Jude Bellingham made his debut and came off the, as a, came on as a sub and scored the winner for them. Oh. Um, oh Liam Lindsay. 
It was Liam Lindsay, yes. Yeah, one of his very that's rare appearances and goals. Yes, that's up my Tommy Smith free kick, Liam Lindsay, unmarked back post header. That was the only goal we've scored in the last 27 years at St Andrews. <laughs> and it was by a defender who no longer plays yes. for us. Oh dear. But yeah, that's... Um, I don't know why. It's funny, isn't it, in football? Like you get these these grounds or these teams that just don't... Do you know what I mean? We're, we're going to get into West Brom later on. And how many times during that run with West Brom games and we always beat West Brom in that? And It was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, how many times would they... You know, they'd be going for a promotion. We'd be struggling to stay in the league, but we'd just beat them over and away every year. It's like, <laughs> what's going on? How How can we continually... Doesn't matter who the manager is, who the players, you know, who, which teams we put out, what players are on the pitch, we just beat them. It's just football's weird how it throws these things up, isn't it? Yeah, like I say, we'll come on to the stats, but I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure um, we've won. I mean, I looked at it the, the, the other day. I think it was about sixty odd wins or something we've had over West Brom um, oh, over worry. time. But I'll, uh, I'll let you there because I know, I know what you're like. You'll have them stats. <laughs> Indeed, I have. Um, do you have anything else you want to mention about this game? There's not really much. Um, there's not. Yeah, there's nothing much more. I think we'll be dragging it out for the sake of dragging it out if we carry on, and people will be like, <laughs> "You guys have found more than anyone else to talk about." So, I think let's move to the man of the match and move on, shall we? <laughs> yeah, I think the one thing just say one point over Easter. Uh, not a great return. Obviously, it's killed the season dead. However, the great run that we had beforehand should just put things into perspective as to. No, no overreactions. Did see some people slightly overreacting, in my opinion, after the game, um, after both the Bristol City and the Birmingham games, to be fair. Uh, but it is what it is. We, um, yeah, we just need to learn how to beat these kind of sides, I think, don't we? So we've still got work to do. Yeah. Right. Man of the match. So third place was Morgan Fox with 13%. Second place was Ben Pearson with 14%. And the winner with 47%, Ben Wilmot. Oh, he's got a couple of these now. He's uh, he's pulling away, he isn't he? Back-to-back man of the matches, six for the season, um, which is uh, more than anybody else. Smallbone and, Cut- and uh, Harry Clark have got four each. Um, but interestingly enough, and I think this proves... It's a bit of a quirky stat, but also proves the consistency he's got because all six of his Man of the Match performances, do you know what they've all got in common? Are they all draws? We didn't win any of them. Uh, Okay, close. So obviously when you get double points for a win, obviously he's not benefited from any of those Man of the Match is where he's got double points, yet he is still top of our Player of the Season standings of 584 points. And he now has a 49-point lead over Will Smallbone, who has 5-3-5. Tyrese Campbell has got 3-9-7 in third. Josh Loren is fourth with 3-8-7. And Jacob Brown has sneaked up into fifth place with 3-3-5. So, yeah, 49 points. And I think, as well, obviously, we've not got the last two games, so there's only three matches left. So, I think... If he's man of the match in a victory over West Brom this uh, this coming Saturday, that might well seal seal the uh, player of the season trophy for him. And then we can go and get it brought in grave, can't we, nice and early. So come on, we Ben, can. just stick a, stick a good performance at the weekend, mate. 
a couple of goals. <laughs> Make life easy for for your old uh, your old t- your old friends here at every step along the way. <laughs> yeah, too bad. It was a bit too close with uh, with Timon uh, another year. We couldn't do much in advance, could we? So we could not. Um, right, let's get into the news. So. The news, under-18s, last week had a 1-1 home draw versus Newcastle. Uh, so Awobi scored, like I say, a late equaliser, rescued a point, which leaves them still fourth in the division, in the under-18s table. Uh, six points ahead of fifth. So it looks like they've sort of got that fourth place nailed now, this late stage in the season. Um, this coming week, they've got their penultimate home game of the season, which is at home to Blackburn. 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday at Clayton Wood. Uh, Blackburn are ninth, and a win could actually take us above Manchester United and into third place in the league. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Our academy is better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll take that. Uh, under 21, so they haven't had a game uh, last week, and they still currently sit 10th out of 11 in the under-21s league, uh, Premier League 2. They have 12 points from their 17 matches this season, and they've got three games left, starting with the final away game of the season, which is at Southampton on Friday night, kicking off at 7pm. So if you are listening to this on the day of release, then you will uh, be able to sort of follow that game, or if you wish, or even attend if you're down that neck of the woods. Uh, however, if you obviously you don't listen to it until the Saturday or whatever, then unfortunately the match will have already been played and you can just go check the result. <laughs> uh, the women. So last week they uh, hosted Burnley, flying high, second in the league, uh, as opposed to Stoke, who are in the top half of the table, but in, just in their sixth position. Uh, now, unfortunately, Burnley were very clinical in front of goal and uh, ran out comfortable 7-2 winners. Um, so I know they got into, I think it was a 3-0 lead, and then there was a goal of the season contender. Uh, so apparently it was a real, a real cracking finish, Mike. Um, they said it, you know, it was probably the best goal that we've scored all season, and uh, that was from Bramford. And then I think Burnley sort of stepped it up to a couple more. We got a late goal from Dell. Um, but yeah, for Burnley rounded it off. Uh, but yeah, seven-two winners. Like I say, I think they are quite quite far ahead of, of our of our women's team in the league. And there's there's like three sides fighting it out for promotion. Um, so hopefully next season, with all the the extra funding and um, the semi-professional, and that that we will be one of those sides really going you know to the top of the league. Uh, but for more for more purposes, it was the finishing that there was the difference. People who you know, reports I've read and that I've seen. Um, they just said they were just more clinical in front of goal. Um, you know, it wasn't a set seven two was a harsh scoreline on on the women. So yes. Um, now this this coming week they've got their final home game of the season. So two p.m. on Sunday they're playing Huddersfield, uh, sixth versus eighth, and a, a chance, like I say, for us to real cement out our uh, position in the top half of the table there. Um, Twelve sides. So yeah, I think get a win there. Should just mean that we finish above Huddersfield this season, and also, you know, to try and get us in that top, finishing that top half. Uh, moving into Loney roundup now, Loney has sort of gone under the radar a bit, anti Mike, because he's not really been involved with the first team, and he sort of went out on deadline day, you know, when we got all them other deals happening, people coming and going. 
and it sort of slipped away. And I think he's not really been mentioned much. So we obviously you know what we like here. We like to keep people updated with what's happening and you know inform you of, of things that you know, Matt Baker, uh, transfer deadline day, joined Newport County in League Two. Um, first couple of games he was on the bench on new sub then he came on for the last 10-15 minutes and won since that day he's played 12 games um, 12 consecutive starts for Newport so as soon as he got his chance he's too good at both hands and he's in there now we have got two yes two lots of audio here from uh, uh, Newport County listen to these here this is how they ju- they're judging uh, Matt Baker's time with them so far Hi, I'm Ed from the 1912 Exiles, the Newport County Fans podcast. You've asked me for uh, a few words about Matt Baker, a.k.a. Country File, who we've had on loan from you since the January transfer window. Um, It has been a bit of a mixed bag, I think it's probably fair to say. That doesn't necessarily mark him out as unique in our squad. We've had a real problem with consistency um, for a large chunk of the season and, and... Baker's performance have been uh, typical of that. But um, I guess to start off, in terms of context, Baker was brought in by, um, well, at the time, new manager uh, Graham Coughlin to provide a bit of defensive cover. We needed just some some warm bodies to uh, provide us with a bit of strength in depth. And Baker fitted the bill, um, you know, under-21 uh, Welsh international or, or on the fringes of the Welsh under-21 squad, uh, at that point, um, felt to be a, a good prospect. And uh, yeah, he came in, made a couple of uh, appearances early on, not necessarily at centre-back. I think some of the early games he might have played as a sort of defensive midfielder, um, but gradually he's found his his place within the heart of uh, the defence. Um, sometimes from the bench, he has started the odd game as well. It's been, yeah, like I said, a bit of a, a mixed bag, really. You would expect some issues with consistency from him. It's his, his first uh, proper loan. And, yeah, he's looked a little bit lightweight, I think, against Burley, fourth division strikers, uh, and at times has struggled. So on, on uh, Easter Monday, away at Stockport County, uh, he was um, muscled off the ball for the opening goal, uh, occasionally lost his sense of position. There was a bit of chuntering at him, I noticed, from some of our more experienced uh, centre-backs. But then at other times, uh, he's played much better. So on um, Good Friday, when we beat uh, Northampton, who are towards the, the top of the league, um, he looked pretty reasonable on the ball um, and was able to compete with a, a very aggressive and, and physical side. Um, so I think, yeah, it's been... The curate's egg, really, with, with country file. Good in parts, um, not so good in others. My view, and I think the consensus from the podcast, is that um, he certainly needs a full season, whether it's in the fourth division or the third division, um, next year to, to really cement his place in a starting lineup. Um, you know, If he came back to Newport County, I think a lot of us would be quite pleased to have him. There have been enough signs of uh, of quality there that, that you'd imagine he could progress, but he probably needs to beef up a little bit and, yeah, become that more consistent player um, that, that he has to be if he's going to make it as a pro. But um, I think the fans have generally appreciated his his efforts um, and I think, yeah, the the feeling is that he, he is one who can progress. Um, but I think, yeah, he needs to play some more men's football and be 
uh, a regular, probably a, around this level. So uh, we will watch with interest to see where he goes next. And even if his career doesn't progress at Newport County, we'll be watching him closely within the Welsh under-21 setup. So yeah, there you go. All the best for the rest of the season. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to the listeners of the pod. My name is Ollie from the Amber Army YouTube channel, uh, giving a kind of progress report of uh, young centre back, centre back Matt Baker. That's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, Matt Baker has played twelve times for Newport County, acquiring nine hundred and twenty-five minutes. Uh, most frequently being deployed as the right centre back in a back three, in a five three two formation. Um, in the first few games he played for Newport County, he was a little bit shaky. You could see there was a few rough edges still yet to be sanded out, um, but that comes with experience in senior men's football, and as he got given. Uh, minutes he needed he kind of learnt his trade and it's fair to say he's taken to league through football like a duck to water he looks very calm and composed uh, especially when you consider his age um, he has a brilliant vision when it comes to passing always looking to move the ball either up into the midfield or out towards a wing back um, in terms of his defensive abilities, he's uh, very uh, good at tracking a player and, you know, what's in their runs. He's not afraid to put a tackle in. He's not afraid of an aerial duel. There are some confidence issues where if he, if he makes a mistake early on, it can kind of get to him for, say, five, ten minutes. But... It only takes him to have a positive run of minutes for him to get that confidence back. So he's a very composed centre-back. He looks very, very good for his age. And if I was a Stoke City fan, I'd be very excited at the prospect of Matt Baker. I wouldn't say he's ready for uh, championship level at the moment. Possibly a top-end league two maybe lower end league one loan like Brandon Cooper of Swansea um, just to carry on that progression but there is definitely a championship quality player within Matt Baker. That, thank you for that. Yeah I, I, I can see him going back there next year Mike and we have we have doubled up on these loan spells before haven't we and sent you know, especially Central Arts we've sent them out sort of two years in a row to the same club. I think if he is there, especially if the manager is still at Newport, that's probably a key thing because he's sort of he's been there. He's he's sort of laid the foundations out of showing what he can do, um, and he's and he's got performances there. So I think it'd be a positive for him to go where he can sort of go and hit the ground running uh, next season, uh, and hopefully, like I say, go and get himself 30, 40, 45 games next season, and really. You know, get some experience going and then come back to us in another sort of 13, 14 months' time. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm sure he wants to play in the Premier League as well, so he's got, he'll have that chance then as well. So I, I think it's a, a good idea. We know that in the pecking order, even with the lads of Jagielka retiring, he's, he's way away right now, but that's not in any 
a disrespect to him. That is just purely where he is in his development. And you're right. I think a player needs to go out there and have one long loan or go back to the club for another one or have multiple loans and build that experience, especially in his position. You know, it's it's a demanding role. Uh, obviously, it can make or break a match. You know, you if you're weak in, in that defensive spot, then you're opening yourself up for um, for issues. So I think it'll do him the world of good, Dan. And yeah, he's going to need at least another year or two out on loan before he can probably come back. And, and like I say, then he'll be coming back to a Premier League team at that point. He will indeed, mate. And um, like I say, he's been captain. He's captain down under 21s, and he's but... There's a lot, you'll learn so much more, I think, from, like, say, playing league football in front of paying crowds who are, you know, where the result is, result, all that matters probably in a lot of these games, isn't it? especially when you, if you're struggling down the bottom end of the league too and whatever, so, yeah. And also, I, I, how, how difficult is it to be captain of an under-21s team, right? <laughs> if anything, it shows he's got a good attitude, but, I mean, it's hardly, you know, crying at the end of a game if you've lost, is it, let's be honest. So yeah, yeah. It, you're right. We've always said under 21 doesn't it never replaces proper football. No, not at all. Um, in other talk about replaced, Paul Ince has been sacked as ready manager. Thought I'd just mention this. Uh, Noel Hunt has been put in charge at, uh, at Reading until the end of the season. Um, and that means, Mark, that Alex Neal is now into the top ten longest serving managers in the Championship. And he's only been with us since August, if I'm not mistaken. He has, yeah. Which means <laughs> there's uh, only nine clubs have still got the manager that they started the season with. Right, okay. And then, I'm ass- do you know who those managers are? Because I'm thinking if three of them get promoted this season, are any- is he going to move further up? Because the one's yeah, coming so down. Yeah. yeah, so obviously company will be one. Yeah. Because uh, he was he was appointed, wasn't he, in the summer? Uh, I know the John Dahl Thomason is one at Blackburn. Obviously, you've got Robbins at Coventry. I'm, I'm doing these off the top of my head, so I'm doing all right. Uh, it's funny that, isn't it? Look at that. The top seven in the table, of uh, five of them have got the ma- uh, managers that were there last season. What's that tell you? Yeah, mm. exactly. Not not a, not a coincidence, I don't think. Yeah, and then you've got Coventry in ninth. They obviously got the same manager. Uh, Watford's 12th. Yeah, we'll not mention them on managers. <laughs> they had to put a statement out today to say they weren't sacking a manager. That shows you how bad they are. No, no, no. And I, I, I know we've lost a couple of games, but no, we aren't sacking him. Bloody hell. <laughs> not this week. Yeah. He's got at least till the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so it's The sad thing is, it's probably not far from the bloody truth, is it? Um, no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I say, the uh, John Eustace, obviously Birmingham, he's another one. Uh, yeah, okay. so we are uh, Owen Swansea, they were just above us in the league, and obviously Bristol City. So yeah, they're the, they're the nine one, two, three, yeah, four, five, six, seven, yeah, eight, nine. They're the ones. If we keep Alex Neely, he may be in the top four or five come, uh, come next season, come August. Just crazy, isn't it? I mean, yeah. talk about my manager turnovers and clubs trying to be settled. I mean, you know, we, I know we've had a couple of managers in recent years, but we're not a Wofford by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, at least we can hopefully stick behind Alex Neal now. For for better or worse, over the next couple of years, we, we need to stop this manager merry-go-round. We were we were seen as the model club 
that everyone wanted to emulate from, from a manager perspective for so long. And then we had about 15 managers in three years. Like it, it, it got <laughs> stupid. So like, yeah. let's just, let's stick with it. Now we proved with Pulis, we proved even with Mark Hughes that, you know, you stick with them consistency. People know what they expect. They build an identity, which we've always been banging on about since we got relegated. Who are we? And what do we stand for? We haven't got a bloody clue. At least now we kind of get the idea. So let's just stick behind him. And even if next year it's not promotion, if it's progress, if it's a top 10 finish, if it's a top eight finish, and we're, you know, we're scratching around for the playoffs, then as long as we're there doing it, because if we take a step back, then people have got a right to moan, I think. But I, 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 I'm fully confident behind Alex Neal, though, Dan. I don't think for a second we'll be any worse off uh, next year. Not for a second. And you can take that as a soundbite and play it next year if you want, but not for a second. <laughs> when, we have a, when we have a Nathan Jones-esque start to the season, two points from 10 games. <laughs> yeah. Tell me it wouldn't be like this. <laughs> um, one other bit of news, quite interesting, is the um, Stoke this weekend have ditched the Bet365 logo off the front of the shirts and they're going to replace it with the club's community trust uh, for this match. So that's a nice little touch there, just a bit of awareness and a bit of advertising there for the good work that community trusts do. Um, so, yeah. I thought you were going to have the every step along the way name across the front, but oh well, maybe next year. Uh, yeah, our the uh, the funding doesn't quite go that far yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not quite. Well, uh, talking of West Brom game, shall we? Shall we get into it? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, we have played West Brom a 151 times. In our history, we have 64 wins, 37 draws and 50 defeats. At Stoke, we have played them 74 times with 38 wins, 23 draws and just 13 defeats. Which is quite good there, isn't it? 13 defeats from 74 matches. Um, cracking indeed. Um, on current, uh, recent form, the last eight games, though, both sides have four wins each with no draws. So um, that's the kind of game you want this, this this business end of the season, isn't it? You know, a result either way, not no bloody nil-nil draws. Who wants them? Got nothing, you know, nothing really to play for from us anyway. So let's go out there and we'll see. Live by the sword, die by the sword. <laughs> let's be honest, though. Like over the years, Stoke nil-nil against West Brom, it's not been a common scoreline, has it? It's happened two or three times, I think, since like the eighties. I think it's generally quite a decent scoring record, I think. 
Now, you know, obviously, like, yeah, we always beat West Brom and all that business. Well, mm-hmm. since Tony Pulis was appointed West Brom boss in January 2015, um, we have just two home wins versus West Brom in six games at the Bet365 Stadium. So uh, thanks for that, TP. All the good work you've done here, you've gone and ruined the, the guaranteed six points we had every year. <laughs> I was going to say, what, what year did Pulis leave West Brom? Do you remember? 2017, late 2017, so, because it, did, they they got relegated with us in 2018, and he got sat before Christmas. I was going to say, I'm just looking at some of the scores here. So you've got, in that Pulis era, you've got Stoke nil, West Brom nil, and West Brom nil, Stoke nil. So the home and away, so the September and the February. What a surprise, it's bloody Tony Pulis in charge. <laughs> we don't do we nil nils like, at all. I think we took like two points from like six games against them during this spell there uh, but what I did notice as well was he took over on New Year's Day and the last game that they played before he took over was like two days previous when we beat them 3-1 at the yeah. Bet365 and it was as if he probably was like lined up and he was like I'm not going to take that game I'll um he's probably in his history knowing how many times Stoke beats West Brom it was like yeah, I'm not starting on a loss. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll watch from the stands, eh? I'll, I'll watch at home or watch from the stands and I'll take over after that one. How's that? And it, it, what's what's the highest... Hang on, we, we're going off a tangent, but I don't care. Uh, it's our <laughs> podcast. Um, so uh, what was the highest goal score? Goals, uh, goal line. By God, I can't even speak. What was the highest uh, score between the two teams, you think? 6-3. Uh, 10-3. Stoke in 1936. <laughs> there you go. Some useless trivia for you in case you're in the pub. There you go. Yeah, what that in the pub quiz? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that one about the nil nils is a blinking good one. Got in there as well. Oh, well, just 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 casually dropping the conversation in Ricardo's before the game on Saturday. Well, did you know? <laughs> it's last time our goals draw. Well, although a non Tony Pugh's goals draw. <laughs> Where's yeah. The, uh, um, right, talking about Ricardo's, that is at the Bet365 Stadium. And Stoke's record there this season, 23 points from 20 games in the league, which puts us 21st in the home form table. Uh, West Brom's away form, actually, they've only picked up 20 points on the road uh, from 19 away games, and that's them 18th in the away table. Uh, last five games, both sides have six points, uh, but because of Stokes' goal difference being so much supremely better than West Brom's over that period, we are eighth in the form table, whilst West Brom are thirteenth. Uh, Alex Neal versus Carlos Corbran. So they've met three times previously. Two wins for Neal, one for Corbran. Uh, Corbran's victory come in the game at the Hawthorns this season, which was the last game before the World Cup, I believe. The West Brom won two 0 um, whilst Alex Neal won home and away versus uh, Cole Brown's Huddersfield side in the 2020-2021 season uh, when he was Preston manager. I believe Huddersfield went up... Uh, did they? No, they wouldn't have gone up there, would they? Sorry. Um, but yeah, only Preston manager. Uh, West Brom. Now, they have the oldest squad in the league with an average age of 27.7 years. Uh, while Stoke are eighth in there with 26.6. So the old men of West Brom. Um, Brandon Asante-Thomas. Now, he's scored more goals off the bench 
than any other player in the championship this season. So he's got four goals from 13 sub appearances. Uh, Stoke's top scorer from the bench, just out of interest, is Lewis Baker, who scored twice as coming on as a sub. Um, I was going to ask that which, who, who what that was, but yeah, it could only be Baker because nobody else comes off the bench and scores, do they? No. Uh, and that's all quirky stats. Stoke have the oldest player in the league, Phil Jagielka, 40. He's actually the only player over the age of 37. And also have two of the five youngest players in the league, in Emre Tesgal and Nathan Lowe, who is at 17 years old. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, they've got players at both ends of the scale, haven't they? Well, I'll tell you uh, what, though, doesn't that go go to show when everyone's on about youth and, oh, we've got to bring youth through, you know, there's, there's loads of quality, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't it show what little quality there is at that age range if no other club's got that that that, that, you know, that younger players coming through? That yeah, screams I'm, about that, doesn't it, really? Yeah, there's, I'll be honest, until you hit sort of 19, 20, especially in the, in, in the football league all over, really, there are very, very few players that come through at clubs Unless you like, say, Crew Alexandra, who have always based their club on on just bringing players through, and that's how the club survives, isn't it? Bringing players through to to sell on to you know renovate, you know, regen, bring the money back through, and then they obviously reinvest it back into the academy, etc. And, and you know that's how it goes, isn't it, Crew? Yeah. But unless you're a club that's you know, designed to work like that. There are very, very few teenagers who will come in and make an impact and play first team football in, in the EFL. And I think that people just need to just take a step back and you know, look, look at Will Smallbone, for example. How old is Will? 22. And he's come here this season, his first real loan spell, and he's taken six months of matches. And let's be honest, I mean, we've we give him stick before. I'm, I'm I'll hold my hands up and say we give him a lot yeah, of stick yeah. before Christmas. And Joey, and then but he's come good now, and that's at 22. You know, Liam Delap, we, I mean, he's he, he scored what three and 23 for Stoke. Looked like he may have been, you know, he had at times when he was sort of finding his feet, but he was very inconsistent. He's gone to Preston. Um, in the last, I think he's played about ten games now. But in the last nine, ten games, I think he's barely got a kick, barely got on the pitch. But I still wouldn't write him off at nineteen years old. I think you know, in two years' time, he's probably going to be a different player than he is now. And what he's learned this season will probably benefit him. And these are, you know, you talk about elite players at, at youth level, there, aren't you? And you know, in Liam Delap, you know, plays. You know, there's not many people who've done more than he has. You know, he's been playing for Manchester City already, for, God, for Christ's sake. And I think that that's the thing. And you know, like I say, he's gone from playing the occasional, you know, three, four, five times off the bench for Man City, and he can't hack into the Championship. So it, when we are bringing players through, you've got to be. There's no point in bringing them too soon and pushing them too much. You just got to take your time with them, be patient. Let them go out on loan. Let them sort of learn at a level where they're going to be playing regular, or even just being involved in match day squads, etc. Come back to us, better players. Um, look, for example, Harry Kane for me, one of if not the best number nine striker in the world. You know, down the middle, he scores. You know, scores as many goals as anybody, creates as many chances. You know, perfect. You no, know, all the only weaknesses to his game is the. Apart from possibly his jaw after he went down last the other week. <laughs> uh, um, but you 
you think about to his how many loans but he went like New Orleans, he went Norwich, he went Leicester, you know, and, and he didn't do anything. You know, there's that picture of him and Vardy sat on the bench at Leicester, and they when these on you know Daniel Pearson didn't play either of them. You know, he didn't rip up any trees really. But then when he got to what like you know, his early twenties and that, he he got a spell in the I think it was the Euro like the Europa League, for example, for Tottenham. And that was his that was his breakthrough. But as a teenager, you probably look at him thinking, is he any good? Is he going to do anything? And look at the career he's gone on to have. So yeah. you just have to be patient with youngsters. Like saying, as I think as a teenager, you, you can't make a decision on whether players are going to be any good to me. It's, I think you have to wait until at least, like say, write them off when you get to 20, 21, 22. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. Anyway, runs over. <laughs> uh, just end up with a couple of stats. Uh, so Stoke, um, so Stoke with one in the first half, one in the second half, and West Brom with just one in the second half have conceded the lowest amount of goals in added time in the whole league. So, Ooh. so if you're going to get your half-time pie, Mike, or your drink at the weekend, or if you fancy beating the traffic when the, when the fourth official comes up, don't. Don't worry that you're going to miss a goal because apparently neither of them, they're both quite quite tight defences just before half-time and full-time, um, which is a nice thing to have. Nobody wants to be conceding goals right at the end of games, do they? <laughs> no, but I would also blows. point out, I do not leave games early, I'm afraid, Daniel, ever. It's just something I've never done. There's no reason. It's not a big I am because I stay till the end. People can do what they want. Um, I just can't bring myself to leave before the end of the game. If we're 3-0 down, I can't leave before the end of the game. I don't know what it is. It's just ingrained in me, I think. Um, yeah. But I know, I know what you're saying. Oh, I mean, well, well, yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of coming on to it just, but seeing as it's relevant, um, I was looking at the uh, well, West Brom's last game, I think, against QPR, uh, and they were 2-0 up, uh, and I just thought, okay, well, they've won that. I checked it out earlier, and they drew 2-2. I was like, eh? Like, <laughs> yeah. What, what, like, what the hell happened there? Two shots on target QPR had, and they scored both of them. Haven't they lost? Isn't that like the only point they picked up in about six or seven weeks as well? QPR. Some, something like that. And I think when you look at West Brom's last five games, I think they've won, what is it? They've won one out of five. Uh, they're a bit like Millwall. They're starting to really have a bit of a falter all of a sudden. But, you know, for me, if, if a team, especially as crap as QPR are, like, they're not even a fighting like they're fighting relegation at the minute QBR, but they're, they're fighting poorly. They've been on a downward trend for so long. So when you know when West Brom go two 0 up, they're thinking, "Well, this is done and dusted." Where and that's well, probably part of the problem. Are, you know, are they are they a bit fragile? Uh, you know, fragile mentally. Um, are they going to be a team now because they've conceded two goals against QPR? Are they? If we put a bit of pressure on at the end, are they going to be thinking, "Oh God, not again." So I, I I think they're a bit fragile, West Brom. Yeah, I mean, talking QPR, before that game, they'd lost nine out of the last ten matches, right, including Preston, Wigan, Birmingham, Blackpool, Rotherham, all all defeats to them in that run as well. So it's not as if they've like you know played all the teams at the top end of the league, have they? They they're the, they're the teams who are fighting out for relegation at the bottom of the league with them. Yeah. Um, that changed the manager in that time as well, they? And, and not had any sort of upturn, um, anything sort of change your look there. 
So, like you say, when West probably tune up, QPR, I, mean, I imagine the fans are probably thinking, well, it's a long way back to a long way back to uh, to West London from here. Um, I, by the way, I'm the same as you, by the way. I don't leave for some reason. You know that Liverpool game years and years ago when we got beat by eight? Yeah. It was like nine on the scoreboard. I, I, I don't know why, but I, like I say, I, even then I couldn't bring myself to leave. I was like, well, no one did, Dan. No one did. We, we were cheered off want... at the end, weren't we? There was no booing. Like, but I think we were just happy to be playing somebody of Liverpool's quality. I seem to remember my, like Michael Owen was in the in the team. Was it Sammy Herpier? Robin uh, scored a hat trick that day. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know we should have been one 0 up when Thorne should have yeah. scored. He hit the post, didn't he? I mean, it would still have lost eight or nine one. But what I mean for him, he must even think about that yeah. one now and think, I I could have scored against Liverpool. If we'd so. scored that goal, we'd have really annoyed them. Then what would have scored? <laughs> oh, did we have? Was it Carl Muggleton in goal? I think we had. Was it? He was a disaster. Oh. Yeah. God, if people think we've had rubbish goalkeepers in the likes of Bonham and Fielding and stuff like that, go and watch Carl Bloody Muggleton and tell me how bad of a goalkeeper Bonham is. Trust me, he makes he makes him look like Christ, buddy. Alison. Gordon Banks. Uh, <laughs> Gordon Banks. Like The difference. I mean, there'd be a lot of people listening who would never have seen them. Um, him, Neil Cutler. But Cutler wasn't all that bad. He wasn't great, but he wasn't as, He wasn't a Muggleton. Uh, we've had some shockers over the years. Yeah. <laughs> he was, yeah. We, we, we've had a really good run with goalkeepers in recent years. We were due a bit of a dodgy couple of years. So um, don't worry, it will get better. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one last stat I'm going to throw out here, and you'll enjoy this one. West Brom have had less cards of 62 yards and one red than anyone else in the league. Stoke are second in that table with 72 yards and no reds, which ties them, which surprises me this, with Millwall. I expect well, yeah. Gary Rowett's side to have quite a few uh, cards flashed about, I'll be honest. Um so, You'd be yeah, expecting Gary Rowett to do some flashing, is that what you just said? Uh, not quite. You may be taking the words and jumbled them up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, the referee. Would you like me to tell you about the referee? I uh, go on then. So he's Andy Woolmer. So he's had 30 games this season, 101 yellows, four reds, three penalties, eight home wins, uh, sorry, 11 home wins, eight away wins, and... 11 draws. He's ref Stoke this season in the 0-0 home draw with Hull, the 2-2 home draw with Cardiff and the 3-1 away win at Swansea, giving him an overall record of 11 11 games, 4 wins, 6 draws and just a 1 defeat. Um, He's given us 11 yellows in them 11 games and no reds uh, and just one penalty against us. He's refed West Brom on five occasions. Uh, they had one win and a draw this season. Um, those five games, seen them get eight yellows, no reds. There's been no penalties in the five matches. They've won twice, drew three and lost none. So that all points to me that this game is going to be a draw. <laughs> and also, both teams are going to get a, a red card each. Um, there's going to be seven yellow no. cards for each team. <laughs> no. No, we... No, we need five more games with no reds for this record. So come on, boys, well, you can do it. You, 
you can get on to this in two seconds. So Stoke are unbeaten in six home games with this referee. He's refed just six times at the Bet365, three wins, three draws. Now, I mentioned just I said 30 matches, he's got four reds. Those four red cards have all come in the 15 League One and League Two games he's refed this season. So in his 14 championship matches, he has not produced a single red card. The last red card he produced was on Good Friday when he sent off a Port Vale player. Hey, <laughs> take that. Um, so, yes. So hopefully he hasn't got a taste for sending off players from the potteries and he, uh, you know, lets us get one match clearer, to, uh, one match, one match closer, sorry, to having the uh, the 100% clean sheet record of red cards for the season. I do hope someone in the media... Now. Yeah, we are, we are closing in, and I just hope someone in the media and something tells them. I'm sure they must know this. They must have it somewhere that they haven't been sent off. It hasn't been really yeah. mentioned. I know, obviously, Pete Smith's mentioned it in the Sentinel and stuff. But you don't want it to become a thing, it. though, because as soon as it becomes public knowledge, you know what these refs are like. <laughs> well, I want it to the point. If it's the last game of the season against Watford and they're clean through, just let them go through. Do not foul them. Do not get yourself <laughs> sent off. Who cares at that point? Just Let's just have the whole season without a red, please. And if it is our man of, uh, our man of the season, like Wilmot, then he's in serious trouble when we, when we next speak to him because like, <laughs> I'm not, not going to be impressed. Right, so West Brom. Now, we had a bit of audio earlier on. We had two pieces, didn't we, for uh, Matt Baker. And we, got, we did. Found out, found out his nickname's Countryfile. And <laughs> Um, and like I say that wasn't the only one where we've doubled up on the audio this week because we've actually got two pieces of audio from West Brom so yeah we've actually we've got some from Connor Uh, so he's from West Brom Fans TV so we're going to hear that and we've also got uh, we've also got some from a Baggies podcast another Baggies podcast as well so let's have a listen to those two pieces Hello Stoke City fans, it's Louis Bent here from the Baggies podcast, here to give my thoughts ahead of Saturday's game. Yeah, it's not been a great period for Albion, that's for sure. Um, Obviously going four games without a win, looking pretty ropey on the road as well. Obviously the game's at the Bet365 Stadium on Saturday, so that is something that's probably not going to work in our favour whatsoever. I mean, we have looked absolutely shocking on the road of late. Losing six out of our seven last last away games, drawing one in there as well, but still looking really, really poor on the road and just not quite finding the combination to to get to get some decent results in. Obviously, it's kind of spiralled and we've ended up back in mid table, which is the same position we were at last season that we were in last season, eleventh place, um, same amount of points. Uh, the only difference is last season we had better goal difference, but. Yeah, it just seems like a little bit of a cycle at the moment for Albion fans. We seem to get within a bit of an inch of the playoff and then we produce a, some kind of dreadful result. So that's where I'm that's where my sort of qualms lie with things at the moment. Um, you know, in terms of tactics, I think that we'll probably come try and try and hit on the break and, and sit deep as Corbrand's been doing away from home recently. Uh, in terms of my playoff hopes, I don't think I, I my hopes aren't very high at all. Uh, we've had a dreadful Easter weekend, drawing to QPR on Monday and losing to Rotherham the the previous Friday. So, you know, it's, it has been shocking um, over the last couple of games with performances 
that are a little bit of an embarrassment. You know, you go from not only conceding once at home over the past 10 games to conceding twice against the relegation threatened side with mistakes all over the pitch. You know, it's quite a lot of injuries and that hasn't helped. But... Um, yeah, I mean it's it's not it's 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 not an ideal situation. You know, we've lost the likes of Daro Shea, Okoye Kushlu, lost Jason Malumbi for a bit, Grady Dean Garner, goalkeeper Alex Palmer. Some big names in the team have gone missing and that's not really helpful. I mean, yeah, I think that's that's what's kind of stifled us a little bit, but still that I think the squad that we've got on paper is good enough. It's just the way that they've kind of come into the frame, you know, lacking in match sharpness and and haven't come in and done the business. Um in terms of emerging players, um, we, we've got you know a couple of players who've been doing reasonably well for us recently. Brandon Thomas Asante, of course, so you know who scored in the reverse fixture has been doing very well uh, of late. Um, Jason Malumbi has been brilliant for us. He's been injured recently, but came back um, on Monday afternoon. So he, if he gets a few minutes, he's looked a sort of different player to last season. So looking forward to that. And and Stoke, you know, obviously you guys were in a, a pretty decent run of form. Uh, before you lost at Bristol, um, seems like Alex Neal has got you playing in in a way that you know that's getting closer to the way you'd like. Of course, there's a player that um, our fans are a big fan of who's been playing up front for you, Dwight Gale. So we look forward to seeing him. But hopefully, he doesn't he doesn't pop one in the net past us. But um, yeah, a score prediction. I think I will go for. I think I said. Well, I think I said one nil Stoke last time out. You've always got a bit of a sort of bogey team with yourselves, especially away at about three six five. So I'll go for one nil Stoke. I can't see us getting a result, especially with our away form. But thanks so much for having me on, uh, and make sure to check out the Backies podcast uh, if you get a minute. Thank you. Connor from West Brom Fan TV here. Massive thank you for having me on the channel. So, in terms of West Brom versus Stoke, a bit of a preview. Um, currently, we haven't won in four games. Um, against QPR, uh, we were absolutely awful. Uh, we're just missing a lot of firepower up front. Um, I think the midfield's been really poor. Um, the likes of Chalabar. Um, you know, in the way Corbahan sets us up, I think at the moment he's getting a few things wrong. Uh, for example, uh, Jed... Jed Wallace is is more suited to the right hand side, but he's been been played like sort of down the middle or on the left hand side, which hasn't really helped. Uh, we are an attacking team who try and get catch people on the break, but it just hasn't been working recently. It's been really really poor. Like I say, we drew two two to QPR. We lost three one to Rotherham and made Jordan Hugo look like an absolute world beater. Um, Against Millwall, it was very poor. Cardiff was poor. The last time we actually got a, w a win was against Huddersfield on the the 11th of March, where we won 1-0. Um, I think the chances of us making the playoffs at the minute are very slim. We're just not consistent enough. Every time teams around us lose points, we seem to lose as well, and we're just not making up any ground on the teams in front of us. I know Stoke are only like five points behind us as well at the minute. Um, they're not doing so bad. They had a horror start to the season. Um, players to watch out for 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 Saturday, I would say, um, Jed Wallace. He he can always be dangerous. He's he's a really really good midfielder, well winger, and you know he can always put the ball in the back of the net. But it's really hard to for me to pick out any players at the minute because we've been really poor. Um, Brandon Thomas Sante always seems to work hard. There is that bit of rivalry between us as well where our fans seem to absolutely hate each other. 
Um, it's always a fiery atmosphere. It's always a pretty decent game. I'm actually going to go with a 2-1 Stoke win. I've got absolutely no confidence. I think it'll be a Tyrese Campbell and a Dwight Gale goal. Thank you, Louis. Thank you, Connor. Um, what do you think about that then, Mike? It's two uh, sort of interesting pieces there. Different views slightly on, on how things are going, but yeah, I mean... Yeah, so it seemed a little bit deflated. I think they obviously, I mean, understandably, because I think, you know, they were they were in a relatively decent position. They still are. They've just, they're just faltering. And I think it's like anything, you know, you get that close to the playoffs and you think, oh, great, we're in for it here. And we've done it ourselves over, over well, distant past. But, you know, you, you get there thinking something great's going to happen and then all of a sudden you start to to falter. Um, and that's exactly what they're doing. So, I mean, yeah, as, as, a, as a Buggies fan, will they be disappointed if they finish where they finish now? Which is what I think eighth or something, eighth or ninth, I think it may be. Something like that. Um, I wouldn't say that's been a disastrous season for them. Uh, I think they're just ambitious fans like, like Stoke fans are, to be honest, and think because of our previous Premier League experience and their previous Premier League yo-yoing, that maybe they feel that they deserve to be there. So, I, I get it. I understand. But um, unfortunately, guys, you're going to lose this weekend. So apologies. i tell you what, though. I mean, if we don't... I mean, we can go on like this forever, can't you say, well, if built some maybe. <laughs> yeah. But if we had continued that form over Easter and got the and got two victories, we would be level on points of West Brom now and five points off the playoffs. And not only that, but Millwall... And Preston, both on 62 points, just either side of the playoff line, play each other this weekend. So, and Norwich, yeah. who were then down in the table, they're at Middlesbrough. So, we could have been looking at a possible, like the winner of this match could have been three points off the playoffs with four games to play. The thing is, though, again, like we said in previous years, doesn't that say everything about this league? Like we we're a team who have what won back to back games twice all season, and we're still yeah. that close to the playoffs. It you know we don't need a miraculous big jump in fortunes next year. We just need to turn a couple of those draws into wins, or you know ch- change one result from a draw into a win and a a couple of losses into a point, and and that's all it's going to take. It's not huge steps here. Like we 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 really don't have to be amazing next year to have a good chance. No, it's like I say the thing with the championship is, as a lot of the EFL leagues, anyone can beat anyone. So it's such fine margins. The league is so close, and as a supporter, like I say, you, whether the stand, you know, you can say what you want to have. You everyone can have their opinion on the standard of the league and. Is the standard better than last year or better than it was five years ago, etc.? Um, but actually, I think what the key is is the clubs are that sort of like say evenly spread that it's always entertaining in the fact that you don't know what the result's going to be. You're very, you know, there's probably what Burnley are probably the only team that you would imagine that you, you play and you sort of semi know the results and even then we got you know we got a point at Turf Moor you know it, it's still you know we went there and got and got a point that we late on so it's not as if you know everyone everybody gets beat by Burnley I mean they're probably going to go and beat the championship points record this season to you know, make that point redundant 
throw some things out to you here. Powell or Gale? Who's going up front? Gale. Gale, for the reason of? He's better than Nick Powell. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, well, no, we'll, we know who the better player really is when, when they're on form, but um, I just think Gale works harder, to be honest with you, mate. Um, he, he runs... Exactly. That that was one thing that actually one of the commentators said when I watched uh, the game back the other day, is that when it comes down to the style of play, like that we are all about the pressure. Nick Powell is he just you know a bit of an, an out of it really. That uh, he he can turn it on, but he will happily just walk around the pitch with our style of play, which is another reason I'm not convinced he'll get a new contract, as I don't think he quite offers us the pressure that we need. So yeah, it's. I mean, I can give you my full team if you want. I think we'll get on to that in a minute. So okay. Uh, so you've got. So you're going for Gale up front. Obviously, you used to play for West Brom as well. Always helps. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, now, Smallbone is he in your team? He is. Yes. Yeah, so you're sticking it, sticking him in there. Um, now, thanks to. Uh, the Sentinel, and uh, obviously, um, you know, they, they put these stats out in the week. So, in the last eight weeks, he's played 14 games, 1,159 minutes, which equates to 83 minutes of football every four days. He did he look a bit leggy, do you think, at Birmingham? Do you think that is catch for a player who's not played professional football? really much in his career so far to get the amount of games in he has this season continuing consistently right the way through because he's not really had a spell out the team at all as he since he came in and then like I say stepped it up in the last sort of eight weeks or so he's really you know got I think he's like 59 in the last like 59 days he's played them 14 games so what would you what would you do you think maybe he might need a rest I see. I've been back and forward about Smallbone um, because I think your point the other week about can we, I don't know, maybe Nick Powell can go in that space or somebody else. Um, I just don't think we've got anyone else that can really play in that hole. I think with, with, without Powell, Selena for me, I don't know. I, there's just something not right with him, unfortunately. Um, probably just I'd the like fact that he's been unlucky with that. injuries. But yeah, yeah, play around. I mean maybe Baker is the man to try in that position and see how he does because we're going to have Lorraine and Pearson well Pearson obviously the main one holding but you know we've got them two who can do, do that bit of a job we know Baker knows where the net is he's proved that time and time again so maybe if we're thinking about next season and trying to plug that little gap or that big gap actually was what it will be maybe we've already got a ready-made replacement right there we just haven't seen it yet yeah, because I, I think the way that we are playing, like I say, you've, especially if we've got Gale up front, Gale, Brown, Campbell, they're going to be, you know, doing the the press, aren't they? The high press, putting the pressure on. And how many times have we seen Smallbone and Loren like to say, we've said it, haven't we, so many times in recent weeks, ball gets played into the opposition midfield. It's, it's a hurried ball. It's a get rid of it because these strikers are, you know, snapping at me ankles. And then as soon as they see that ball coming, Lorenz Smallbone, they're in there, boof, straight in front of the midfield and nicking the ball. You know, getting either getting a toe on it or just getting you know, stepping in front of the player, getting there first. And I think Lewis Baker can do that, that part of the role. And I think that's the key to the role. Do you know what I mean? I think 
small bones ability on the ball. I think Baker's probably you know got the same sort of um, sort of vision. I think I think he's a similar player to Smallbone. It's similar attributes, but in different way. If that makes any sense at all. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and uh, yeah, I know what you're getting at. Um, yeah, let, let's let's go with Baker then. I mean, I, I think Smallbone is still in the team because I think I've gone with the team that I think he will pick rather than what I would pick. If I'm honest, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, so just to let you know for West Brom. So Kyle Bartley came back from injury for West Brom, uh, and he actually pulled out of the game on Monday with a he pulled this sort of a hamstring injury in training, so he'd gone for a scan. Um, so you're not expecting him to be fit. Uh, but Yukushi is expected back for them, and Molumbi, even though he's expected to be out for the season, made a recovery and actually came on and played on over Easter. So he's back for them. Um, now, obviously, we heard from obviously uh, Louis and Connor, didn't we, earlier on? Uh, did you see what Jed Wallace said after that 2 2 draw that you were talking about the uh, game with QPR? No. So to 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 sum it up, he said basically that we're rubbish and we've bottled it. Were the words that he used? Oh his, right, okay. Uh, yeah, and that was for that was on the radio for Radio West Midlands. Um, his post match interview. There was obviously a lot more said, but yeah, those were the the sort of the, the buzzwords that you could pull out of it. Um, so yeah, he wasn't holding back. I think he was quite praised for his for his honesty. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that that sounds to me that can work either way for me. That that's either a club that's because I think he said like there were strong words said amongst the group in the changing room after the game, and like I say that can work either way, can't it? It's either that'll galvanise them and they'll know that you know if they want to get in the playoffs or have a chance, they've got a you know they've got five games that they've got to turn it on for each and every one. And they'll all come together because they've sort of aired all these grievances, or it'll just if there is any sort of fractious relationships there, it could just let's say separate them more, even more, mind it, and and play into our hands in that way. So we'll just have to wait and see on Saturday. So yes, I am going to give you my team now, and then obviously you can tell me. Oh, um, I like your cheating, giving your team first, so you can copy. Okay. I might save you breath because you might say, "Oh, actually, no, Dan, it's the uh, same as my team that is now." <laughs> uh, I've okay. got Bonham in goal, uh, Sterling at right back. I've got Wilmot and Taylor centre halves. Um, I'd like to see Connor Taylor giving a run out. I think it's about time. And Josh Timon is going to be playing at left back for me again. Another player I think needs some minutes um, just to show the manager what he can do in about four. Uh, midfield, Pearson holding, Loren and Baker just playing in front of him. They're going to be snapping at the heels. Then West Brom midfielders, uh, Jacob Brown on the right, Tyrese Campbell on the left, and Dwight Gale down the middle. Subs: Fielding, Fox, Selina, Hoover, Smallbone, Powell, and Thompson. Okay, okay, um, relatively similar actually. So, um, and this is obviously shooting fitness, right? But I think Bonham and goal. Um, Hoover, Axel, Wilmot, uh, Wilmot, Wilmot, and Sterling uh, at the back. Obviously, if Axel's not fit, then I'm actually bringing Connor Taylor in. Um, midfield of Pearson, Loren, and Smallbone, like I mentioned, and then the front three pretty much are picking themselves. So Gale and Campbell with Brown down the middle. I think that's no. the kind of way he will go. Yep. So a couple of couple of differences there. 
Um, what's your prediction, mate? I'm going for 2 1. I'm going for a Tyrese Campbell opening and then a Josh Loren. Uh, he's going to make it 2 0. I think we might be a little bit nervy later on if they get a goal with about 20 left. So I'm going for a 1 0 Stoke win. I don't think we'll lose. They've lost six out of the last seven, which uh, was mentioned on the audio earlier uh, when they're away from home. So their away form isn't great. As you've said, they're clearly not happy with their last performance from what you've just told me. So um, I don't see us losing this one, although I said the same um, the other week. So, yeah, uh, I suppose that's kind of we'll soon see. But just just so you know as well, um, Rory's been in touch. She says she thinks we're going for a 2-1 win. A uh, front three of Powell, Brown, and Campbell. So she's having uh, Powell in there instead of, uh, of Gale. And uh, just underscore Fuzzy. Um, it's not uh, Fuzzy is in West Ham, uh, Wrexham's goalkeeper, is it? Uh, so nil-nil or a one-nil win for West Brom he's gone for. Okay. And he is a Stoke fan by the looks of it. So that's interesting. Oh. Well, we've had those. We've had our predictions. We've had their predictions. Let's get the ever-reliable Graham McGarry's prediction. Hello there, you Potters predictors. This is Graham McGarry once again getting ready for the weekend's match when Stoke City take on West Bromwich Albion at the Bet365 Stadium. It was Midlands opposition on Easter Monday for Stoke. They had to come back from St Andrews with a nil-nil draw. But for West Bromwich Albion, well, they must have been thinking they were on the way to three points, two-nil up against Queen's Park Rangers, only to be pegged back. And things are not going as well as they expected under the new regime. Both these clubs, of course, would have hoped to have been in the end-of-season playoff positions, but that's not the case. So it's pride and points at stake come Saturday from 3 o'clock. And Stoke, well, they're still in that decent run of form. And Alex Neal will want some goals. And I think he's going to get them, but not too many. But, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because Stoke fans just love beating West Brom, whether it's at the Hawthorns, the Bet365 or anywhere in the country. It's only going to be one goal. It's going to be Stoke 1, West Brom 0. 1-0 for McGarry. Uh, thank you, Graham. Uh, like I say, we're all thinking three points then. Okay. So, prediction table. It's going to make it difficult to uh, to change that. So, Graham's ahead on 51 points, and we really need to start closing some gaps now on this, Mike. I'm on 42, you're on 41. Neither of us are picking up any points over Easter. Uh, opposition's down at 25, they're miles behind. So, yes, it's going to be either Graham, me or you, we've got to get a couple of results right out of these last five games now, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, we do. Otherwise, um, are we having to go to the uh, Burslem? Was that, was that, the, was that the, the agreement, no, was it? No, that was, that was if somebody finished bottom in Super 6 and Gaffer. So oh, OK. Uh, let's see how they pat how that's panning out then. So, <laughs> so Super Six, I yet again. I've done it for this weekend. I've already done it, but I forgot again last weekend. I was really busy. Uh-huh. I'm off work. When I'm off work, I have less time than when I'm at work. Let me tell you. <laughs> but um, I am now slipped down to 75th in the Super Six table uh, with 257 points. You are in the lofty heights of 60th with 319. So I've got 62 points to try and claw back off here. I don't think it's going to happen, to be honest, mate. Uh, Luke Jones is still top of the pile on 427. Nick Green is up into second on 422. And Luke Higgins has got 417. So it's still quite tight. You know, those three still quite tight at the top. Only 10 points separates them. Mm. Um, 
Gaffer. So Jack Curran still leads the way with 3-3-4-6. Pookie Blind is his open to second on 3-1-9-3. At Stoke Gaffer drops down to third on 3-1-7-8. Now, obviously, I'm below you on Super 6. Now, Gaffer, you are 23rd. You got 3-39 points this week to go to 2 one eight zero. I am... 17th, thank God. <laughs> picking up 58 points this week and our 2316. So I do have a 136 point lead there, and I'm gonna to have to make sure I'm gonna to have to use these bonuses and these boosts quite wisely over the next few weeks to make sure that you don't catch me. Because I do not want to be heading to Vale Park in August. No thank you. Well, I'll tell you, you what, because I do quite like you, Daniel, if we have to go. If you have to go, then I'll come with you. Uh, you know, I'll suffer with you. Um, I think it's very unfair of me to leave you uh, to leave you hanging. I think it'd be very unfair. So um, I know it's kind of like a bit of a, a funny quip we talk about each week, but I wouldn't force you to go and watch that shower on your own. There you go. Take it in your way, and maybe. Yeah, become maybe. A, become a I don't know Morecambe fan for the day or something. <laughs> Why not? They'll be they'll be they'll be begging for our money, mate. Um, oh, by the way, just before I kind of move on, uh, we've literally just been given a uh, a team uh, from John Oldfield as well. So literally this very second, he said uh, he's going for a two nil win. Uh, need to try fresh options now. Switch Fox for Taylor, Baker for Smallbone. That's interesting, and give Selena a chance instead of Powell and move Brown into the middle. That's what he's gone for. Okay, fair enough. I think with Selena. Um... He's not really had the games. I mean, we mentioned last week then with it. Since he's come in, he was really, he's been unfortunate. Circumstances have meant he's not been able to get into the squad due to the loanee situation. And I think then to ask him maybe come out of the cold and produce, maybe is it wasn't the fair thing to do. Um, he hasn't played well when he's played the last couple of weeks, but I think he does probably deserve two or three starts between now and the end of the season just to just to give him an opportunity to show what he can do. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's only fair, like I say, especially with him, you know, if they're thinking about maybe, you know, getting him in the summer or, you know, putting him in the shot window for his career to get somewhere else. Like say he's coming in six months and no, no, no fault of his own, really. He's been out the side and sat in the stands not not being able to uh, beat the beat the red tape and get in the squad. <laughs> yeah. Right, we're going to end now with a West Brom related quiz, Michael. Ten questions. Ooh. Question number one, dead easy. Uh, I think you should resign from this podcast if you don't the answer to this. Oh, don't Who's, say that. Who scored the winner at home to West Brom last season to put us third in the league? At home, sorry. Yes, we beat them 1-0 at home. Oh, I can't think Powell. Yeah, the lob over the keeper. Yeah, well, yes. lobbish. Okay. Yes, it was <laughs> It was a lob. Yes, the keeper coming out. He just dinked Terry Renty and then slid off on his knees. Uh, that At that point, you know, we were <laughs> we were ahead of Fulham in the league. That put us third. Fulham were fourth. And that was West Brom's first, first defeat of the season. Um, question number two. So these, a few of these questions, mate, I'll, I'll be very surprised. I don't think you'll know them. It's just if you can guess roughly where. So how many times 
did we lose at home to West Brom between 1982 and 2012? I'll give you a thing. There was 19 home games we played them in during those 30 years. How many times did we lose? Three. Zero. Oh, really? We were 30 years unbeaten. So between wow. 82 and 2012, 14 wins and five draws. Well, I never... Okay. Uh, question number three. We always beat West Brom is sung from the terraces. But how many consecutive home wins did we have against West Brom between 1989 and 1997? Nine. Eight. Oh. So we had, yes, I want a point eight. for that. <laughs> yes, I'll give you half a point for that. <laughs> So yeah, eight consecutive home wins we had. Uh, this is just this 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 quiz is just here to make us all feel not, feel good. <laughs> oh, nostalgia. Um, question four: Between 1988 and 2012, we lost one of 28 league games home and away against West Brom, which was a one 0 loss at the Hawthorns in 2003. Can you remember which two Stoke players were sent off in that game? That's what it took for them to beat us. That's us down to nine men. One of them was sent off after five minutes. Yeah. Oh, this is. Oh, bloody hell. 2003. I can... Yeah, I can. Both ex-commentary players. That's, that's your clue. Oh. Um, I'm oh, sure it wouldn't have been Liam Lawrence. I'm trying to remember when he. No, I'm awful remember. No, I was going later. I'm awful remembering who who came in at which time. Um. Oh God, mate. Oh, oh yeah. So we had him. We actually he managed against us the other week. John Eustace was one of them, wasn't he? Yes. Yes. This so is this won. is Gary. This is Gary Megson time, isn't it? So Julius was the manager. I know for Stoke, like Stoke, Gary Megson was in charge of. Possibly, well, yeah. Well, yeah, well, 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 I've been in charge of West Brom, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I don't think I'm going to remember the other one, mate. This is too. This is too far ago. John Eustace was one of them, but I can't give you the other. So yeah, John Eustace was sent off in the fifth minute for fighting with Andy Johnson, who also saw red. So five minutes into the match, it's ten v ten. And then after an hour or so, Marcus Hall was sent off. Marcus Hall. And we were down to nine men. And they still, that's what it took me. The only time in 28 matches we were beaten by them. We had to go down to nine men. Question number five. Which is the biggest transfer that's happened between the two sides? I'm thinking Carl Hopkins, but think bigger must be something. Going to say there must be something bigger than that. Oh, um, I'm actually quite happy for you that you that you've can't think of it straight away. What position? To forward. You left uh, West Brom mm. to come to Stoke. I was thinking Sido. Yes, Sido Berahino. It is Sido, okay. 
12 million pounds. That's why I said, I'm happy that you don't know that he doesn't, his name doesn't pop in your head. You've managed to eliminate it from your memory. I'm quite happy for that. I tried. <laughs> Found his way back, but I tried. <laughs> uh, which member of Stoke's 1972 League Cup winning side managed West Brom between December 1997 and July 1999? 97 and um, So. He had a very long and successful management career after retiring. He was actually the manager that took Ben Foster to Wrexham. For his initial Can't think, Dan. Local lad, centre off. Dennis Smith. Dennis Smith. I think he. So what he said the other day, I'll, I'll fact check this, but somebody said he ref, he managed over a thousand matches. Like, wow, a very very long management career, if that's the case. Uh, in the last yeah, twenty-five no- years. Go on, sorry. No, no, I think you're you're right. I think he was actually more than that, mate. Because there's, oh, I think Andrew, someone was mentioning, somebody mentioned the other week, uh, one about Dennis Smith, and I think he was closer to around twelve hundred matches, to be honest. Is I, I swear they said twelve hundred, which is incredible, really. <laughs> but yeah, but check it out. Um, in the last twenty-five years, three men have managed both sides. Can you? We mentioned two of them in this question well, already. Pulis. Megson. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The third Megson. one, actually. Do you know the third one? He left Stoke to go to West to go to West Brom. Totally, totally went I didn't register with me that this even happened. <laughs> um geez. Oh. oh no, 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 can't no, 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 no. Yeah. Who do you think? Um, well, no, it's, it's someone I, I know for a fact wasn't. Just, just wasn't. Um, oh, I, I don't know, mate. I don't know. Brian Little. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I, I thought, I thought Brian Little when he left Stoke. I can't remember him doing anything after he left Stoke. And considering he won the League Cup with Villa like two years before he joined us. It was like, oh yeah, that's a, a quick fall from grace. And then when I saw that, I was like, he managed Villa. I think he went on, and he had about there was about five or six other clubs he managed it right the way through to like 2013. I'm like, what? When did this all happen? I don't remember this. <laughs> uh, um, right, question number eight: How long was Dwight Gale a West Brom player? Oh, that was a couple of years. Um, so, try to think because um, okay. I'm just trying to. I'm just gonna. I'm trying to figure it out. So left. I went to Newcastle. I'm going to the decompute the pass. I'm gone. Oh, I'm trying to think of his thing. Yeah. Um, 
Now I'm getting it mixed up with the Newcastle time here. So I'm at what's what's my number leeway? How many have I got either side? Um a one. <laughs> so how many okay. how many seasons? That's all how many seasons was he at West Brom? Oh right, oh, sorry, I completely missed the question. Um in that case, I'm gonna go for I'm gonna go for one season at West Brom because I think it was around thirty odd. Yes, did oh. so you think I wanted to know how many games he played? Yeah, sorry, I'm, I completely misheard. Ah, yeah. So, yeah. No, it's all right. What, one that, season. Yeah. yeah, it was one season, 2018 19. It feels like he was at West Brom a lot longer than that, doesn't it? It feels like he was there for like two or three years. But I yeah, think it's because it's, he scored so many goals for them, though, didn't he? I think that was the thing. He did. 24 goals in 41 games. <laughs> wow, okay. So, yeah, and he uh, obviously fired them back to. Back to promotion, and obviously, he was the player we were after 2018 19 that season. We were after him, weren't we, in that summer? And then I believe, was it Mr. Rowett turned around and said, No, I don't want him, get me, get me Benny Kofobi instead. <laughs> and we yeah. all know how that panned out. If we'd have had 24 goals in 41 games, all them 23 draws that we got that season, it was a like, world record, wasn't it? That we may have turned some of them into victories. But yeah. never mind. That was five years ago. Let it go, Dan. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't go rocking back and forward in the corner of your room for that. Um, right. Question number nine. Eric Peters now plays for West Brom. Um, and the left-back scored three goals in his time at Stoke, the, left, the last of which was actually against West Brom Albion. But who was the first one against? But actually tell you, in his last season for Stoke, he scored two of those three goals. There was the Preston goal away at Preston, and then he scored away he scored against West Brom. Um both last year in the championship. But there was one during his time in the Premier League he scored. I do have oh. a little if you require it. Yeah, go on. It was a mishit cross, if that helped. Oh, oh, Jesus, yes. Um, oh, my God. Was it Newcastle? It was Newcastle, yes. Yeah, um, I remember now. And the tenth and final question, who scored an injury time winner at the Hawthorns in August 2011 after a mix-up Involving a goalkeeper who's been in the news quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, I remember it well, and it was meant to be um, kicked out of his hands, which actually wasn't really kicked. Well, I don't know, it was close. Uh, it was against Ben Foster, and um, it was someone who also had a very long throw on him. Uh, it was, oh Christ, his name's come and gone. Um, he's the Hamley, Hamley Town, Hamley Town. yeah. He's the manager. Uh, Ryan Sean. Ryan Sean. Ryan Shotton, <laughs> yes. Come on, Dan. It is quarter well minute. You can get, let me off. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Well done, Mike. You've done very well on that quiz. Um, let us know, everybody. Let us know how, how many you got on that quiz out of 10. Um, I think we should wrap this up now. Are we going to yeah, get three Not many of these left. No, not many at all, mate. Uh, we'll have to think we how we're going to. Are we going to fill the season? I'll fill, fill the summer, shall we say? Um, well, I don't know what we're going to do in the summer. We've obviously got a special we're finalising. 
uh, which we're not going to tell people what it is. Um, well, we can okay. We're not, we're not going to tell them who it is. It's a first team player. That's all. That's all we can tell you. Um, but we need to just finalise that. You should dot the I's and cross the T's. Yeah, and it's all on you, Dan. So get a bloody move on, will you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, it doesn't happen now. Bill. That, well, that must be Dan's fault. <laughs> it is Dan's fault. If it doesn't happen, it's Dan's fault that everyone is just seeing it. <laughs> Um, yes, I will. Uh, I will get that sorted before this pod even hits the airwaves. That will all be sorted. Dates. Um, but yes, I think, like I say, we've only got what five matches left, including one midweek. So, well, the beginning of May, we'll be wrapping all this up, and uh, yeah, we're going to have to think of something we can do to keep everybody entertained through May, June, and July. We? Maybe you can uh, do as a bit of a singing podcast. You can sing all the Stoke songs, um, in in you know, in a Graham McGarry voice. Uh, so yeah, McGarry voice. Don't we about? <laughs> he does, Graham. He really does. Um, <laughs> in a respectful way. But anyway, let's let's move swiftly on. <laughs> oh, you Potter predictors! There you go. There you go. That's in the uh, cutout, Billy. <laughs> Yes, uh, enjoy the game at the weekend, everybody. It's probably the last sort of big, big game that we've got this season, and to let's be honest. And uh, yeah, let's see if we can. Uh, get the, we always beat West Brom, echoing around the Bet365 on Saturday afternoon. And we shall yep. see you all next week. Boing, boing, bag of. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.